Oh, and let me take that down. Great. Welcome in. Hello, everyone. My name is Connor Riley. This is Connor in coverage. We do this every Tuesday night at 630. Only two minutes late today, so not great, but we're getting better. Uh, it's the offseason, obviously, but there's still a lot of Georgia news, notes, and things to talk about. Obviously, Jamila Dye leaving Georgia to accept the defensive backs job at Miami. Literally not even 24 hours after I wrote about Georgia's 2022 coaching staff, there's once again a vacancy. We'll discuss all that comes with that, what it means, who Georgia might be looking at. We've got some names there. What I, I think Georgia's coaching staff is looking for going forward. We'll also touch a little bit tonight on some of the returning production numbers that were put out there today by Georgia and sort of what it means. Uh, we'll talk a little bit of Auburn news, obviously, as we wait for something. I think that's not going to end up happening, or at least as quickly as we all seem to think it's going to happen. And then obviously – we shall be taking your questions, comments, thoughts, concerns tonight, uh, as we usually do. We'll probably go about 45 minutes here uh, discussing sort of really anything and everything you want to talk. We had signing day last week. There's some more stuff we're going to roll out from that in terms of coverage. Obviously, NFL draft is going to continue to pick up. But even though it's the offseason and even though Georgia has now been national champions for over a month or at least four Mondays, there is still a ton of news, notes, and things to discuss regarding the Georgia football program. And so without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into that. And it leads with Georgia has a defensive back coach opening. Uh, Jamel Adai, not unsurprisingly, ends up leaving Georgia for Miami. I think if you've read some of the coverage, which you can read at Dog Nation or, or, or you know, other various sites when it comes to the discussion of Jamel Adai, it does not come as a surprise that after one year he is – going to another program and what can be described as a lateral move. I do not necessarily believe that a die was the perfect fit for Georgia and more specifically Kirby smart and what he wants from his coaches in terms of philosophy and teaching. It's worth remembering here that a die did come from West Virginia, didn't have a lot of direct ties to this Georgia staff. And it's also worth pointing out Kirby Smart's maybe the best defensive back coach in college football. Will Muschamp isn't that far behind him. You have those two guys on your staff, and whoever Georgia hires as a defensive backs coach, you can guarantee that Smart and Muschamp are going to be heavily involved in the instruction and coaching of those players. And so it takes a, a certain type of personality to be okay with that and know that sometimes you might be playing third fiddle or third chair when it comes to coaching your own players. And there's been a lot made about how important a die was in terms of recruiting. I know Muschamp helped a lot with some of those defensive backs. I know Humph Julian Humphrey in particular will pull up a uh, tweet that he sent out a few minutes ago uh, with Muschamp and Kirby Smart. I know I'm in good hands. Those were really the guys who really pushed to land him from the state of Texas. We know as well, Jaheim Singletary out of the Jacksonville area was a guy that Georgia was very much involved with. But I'd also point out, Georgia landing Marvin Jones Jr. Jamila Dye, given the ties he has to South Florida, he is from just outside the Tampa area. He actually recruited Jones's brother to West Virginia. Given all of that, you do sort of lose a guy who is going to go to Miami and I think have some significant success there. Now he might end up taking some players from Georgia, especially as Miami invests new money into that sort of football program down there. But at the same point in time, let's discuss a little bit about what Kirby Smart is really sort of looking for in his assistant coaches. And I think you can look at the hire that he made in Brian McClendon and include Mike Bobo in there as well as the offensive coordinator. And I thought that some comments Smart made last week on National Signing Day were actually very telling 
about what he is looking for in, in, in terms of getting coaches onto his staff and what they sort of need to have to work at a place like Georgia. Because believe me, and, and you're going to see this with the, the defensive back hire, Georgia can go out and get a lot of really, really good coaches out there. But for them to better Georgia and help further along Georgia and get this program into a spot where, all right, they've got one title. Now how soon are they going to win that second one? You need to hire the right assistant coaches. And I thought Kirby's answer on this with specific regards to Brian McClendon here, I think is really telling him what we might potentially see from whoever this new defensive backs coach ends up being. He's got a lot of respect for him. He's worked for people on our staff, worked with people on our staff, and uh, I'm big on fit. And, and does someone fit the culture we're trying to create? Uh, we don't look at a lot of things that people on the outside world look at. I look at, can they make our staff better? Can they make our players better? Uh, do they fit our culture? And um, he checked the box on the most uh, of those and was the best fit and, and, and wants to be here. That's important to me um, and what we created, Georgia. And then so, yeah, he, he talks about fit, the want to be at Georgia. Obviously, McLennan being from Georgia, ending and playing for the university, coaching here before, I, I think factor in there as well. But you're also not going to land everyone that does that. And you look at a guy who Georgia hired as its outside linebackers coach, and I'm apologizing in advance if I get it wrong here. Chidera Uzo Deribe, or Deribe, excuse me there, you know, a guy that not a lot of people knew. Certainly you wouldn't have expected Georgia to hire him as the outside linebackers coach, given his time as, you know, he was at Kansas for two years. He was an analyst at Colorado for three seasons, SMU for a year, but he's sort of an up and comer, not unlike Dan Landing there. And my guess and understanding is that he really blew the Georgia coaches away in the interview process and seems like a guy that is really going to fit in here and work hard and work well with this coaching staff. So what does George ultimately get out of this defensive backs coach? I think it's going to be really interesting, especially depending on what they do with Will Muschamp and where they potentially move him. Cause you could very easily see Georgia sliding him to be the safeties coach. And then you have a cornerbacks coach who you bring in to sort of help with that position there as well. I do think that's ultimately, I, I would not be surprised if they do have a safeties coach and a cornerbacks coach, which would be a departure from what they've had in the past, even dating back to Mel Tucker when he was a defensive backs coach and then Charlton Warren, handling those responsibilities there as well. I know Zach Etheridge at Auburn is a name that has come up recently, and given all the turmoil we've seen at Auburn, you think that name potentially makes a lot of sense. I know he is a well-regarded recruiter, so someone who knows the SEC and understands the sort of rigors that come at a job, at a pressure cooker job like Georgia is. I think Carl Scott, who I believe was with the Minnesota Vikings last year and is currently unemployed, has some obvious ties, you know, given the Saban tree roots and all that. I, I think DeMarcus Van Dyke is a guy out of Miami that is very interesting. I think Georgia wants to go be, have a guy with ties to Miami, not unlike James Coley years ago on this Georgia staff and, De and Van Dyke was the cornerbacks coach at Miami last year makes some sense there either you know Derek Ainsley who's a coach for the Chargers right now obviously has ties I've seen some people throw out Jeremy Pruitt I'd be floored if that's who Georgia ends up getting uh, but they're gonna look for a guy who obviously being able to recruit is first and foremost and you know with a dying we touched on his recruiting ability a little bit earlier and you know it, it being you know I, I know 247 rated him as the number two overall recruiter that's 
maybe not an accurate depiction of how important he was in putting together this defensive back class. Will Muschamp, in my opinion, absolutely deserves a lot of credit as much as a die does in landing guys like Jaheim Singletary and and Julian Humphrey there as well. So obviously being able to recruit is one of them, but being able to teach and most importantly, as I'm going to play here in another Kirby clip from last week, identify the players who fit the, and this is specifically what smart talks about the core values of this team. And that's going to be something that is absolutely going to come up in this interview process. When Georgia is looking for a defensive backs coach, they want to be able to have a guy who identifies what Georgia wants to do in terms of program building and then find the players that fit that mold because it's sure it's very easy to go out and say, well, let's just go sign all the best players out there. But in an age of NIL and an age of transfer portal, you need to be able to identify guys who might not necessarily be playing early, but eventually stick around and develop into key players and key leaders in your program. A perfect example of this is already in the secondary and Chris Smith, a guy who didn't play much his first three years on campus, two years. Yeah. His first, excuse me, his first two years on campus, 2018 and 2019 season. Richard LeCount gets injured in the 2020 season, and Christopher Smith has been a mainstay in the secondary ever since. But you look at some of the turnover we've seen in the secondary in recent seasons, they've had five guys transfer out. And so, and the defensive back position is not alone in that aspect in terms of guys leaving. You've already seen two 2020 wide receiver signees in, um, Jermaine Burton and Justin Robinson transfer out of the position there as well. And I mentioned Lavoisier Carroll, who running back cornerback moved around in his time there. He's another name that has transferred out. You need to be able to identify guys who are going to stick with the program and understand what Georgia wants to do, even if that potentially means sacrificing some believed, more talented recruits. And I thought Kirby Smart gave a very good answer and admittedly was to a question that I asked, but about what coaches and what his more specifically, he is looking for when he is going out and targeting players because I think that's the most important thing that Georgia is looking for in its next coach, regardless of what it does. They want to be able to identify players because at the end of the day, and Kirby Smart said as much after the Florida game, coaches don't win games. It's players that have been identified, recruited, and developed that ultimately do that. It's subtle, and um, the way things are going, you're going to have to continue to do that. You you, you have to look at your roster and say, we need great players, right? But we need enough core players that believe in the values of the organization to outweigh any blinking lights. And, you know, sometimes a blinking light might be a talented player that doesn't completely all the way buy in. But you've got enough core players that uh, the voice doesn't get heard. You know, and I think that's, you know, we, we had that last year. We had a really good group of core leaders. They also happen to be good players. That's when you get to win a national championship. But you got to be selective over going really far away from home. You know, how, how big a portal risk is this kid? Um, you know, is NIL so important to him that he's not going to be effective as a player? Because it's easy to sit here and say, what can I make NIL? How can you help me? Well, I can help you a whole lot more if you come out of college with a degree and you come out of college and get drafted. There are a lot more commas on those salaries than there are on NIL deals. And you have to be able to explain that to kids and they have to understand it and buy into it because they, a lot of kids come from a society of, I want now, now, now me, 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 self-gratification. And we really need team, 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 long-term buy-in, develop, be the best player you can when you leave. The hard part, 
Ronner is figuring out which each kid is. Does he really buy into that or is he just providing lip service? And that's where the tough decisions are made as a head coach and a position coach of which guys you take because you don't really know until they get here sometimes. And so that's what Kirby's going to be looking for. Obviously, you mentioned here there in players, but I would say it's just as important in having a position coach who is able to identify that and see and align themselves. And alignment's a very big word that has popped up a lot around college football this season. I think it's a big reason why you're seeing the tumultuous situation play out in Auburn right now. Alignment from head coach, coordinator, position coach, player, them all being on the same page there in terms of what the expectations are, I think it's very important. And so finding that next you know, key position coach, and, and we can even look at some of the guys on Georgia's staff, Del McGee, Glenn Schumann. I think Matt Luke does a great job with this. Uh, uh, Trey Scott on the defensive line has done a phenomenal job in terms of identifying guys who understand that program and are willing to wait and then ultimately play their way up into bigger roles. And as you're going to see in this year's NFL draft, pay themselves into seven-figure paydays because they're taken in the first round. And so that's ultimately, and, and I'll probably write about this at some point this offseason, what Georgia has in its defensive line right now is sort of the dream in terms of what you're looking for in terms of identifying talent who might not always be perfectly highly rated, but in some cases, you know, Trayvon Walker's Jalen Carter's of the world do fit that high ranking mold that I think everyone looks for. They develop over time. And sometimes it's a four-year guy. Sometimes it's a three-year guy. Like we saw with Trayvon Walker. And like, we're going to see next year with Jalen Carter, those guys go on to get drafted. And what that development does is it shows recruits like a Michael Williams, like a Christian Miller, like a bear Alexander, three guys that are all essentially top 100 recruits. What that has shown those guys is, Hey, you come in here, yeah, you might not be playing away, but if you're good enough, like say a Trayvon Walker was, like a Jalen Carter was, you'll find yourself earning a playing time role on this team. And then eventually you're going to develop into a, a first round draft pick. I, I think Georgia, ideally, that is what they are looking for. You're going to see Lewis Seen be, you know, probably a top 60 pick in this year's draft. I think Keely Ringo, if he continues on his upward trajectory, is going to follow something similar there. And so, you know, the transfers have made it really hard on this defensive back group position. And I think that the, tum- the turnover in the coaching staff there has reflected that as well. You know, for the stability that Del McGee, that Trey, Mus- that Trey Scott, that Glenn Schumann have brought, Chris Smith, who will be in his fifth year at Georgia next year, he's going to be on his fourth different defensive backs coach. And so finding a guy who understands this program and wants to stick around and be with this program and is on the same page as Kirby Smart, Will Muschamp, Glenn Schumann, I think is going to be very important in terms of finding that defensive backs coach and and putting this group in a place where it's no longer the question mark that it is. Because as I wrote in a story on Dog Nation today, you know, even with the turnover we're seeing in the front seven and the defensive line and, and at the inside linebacker positions, I think just about everyone here, and we'll touch on returning production numbers in a minute, everyone here feels really, really comfortable about what we're going to see from Georgia next year. I think there's a lot of excitement in, in those inside linebackers, guys like Shmel Munden, Jermaine Dumas Johnson, Xavier Sori, I would mention there as well. And on the defensive line, obviously Jalen Carter, but guys like Nazir Stackhouse, Warren Brinson, and obviously the recruits that have been brought in there, there's a confidence there. With the secondary, I'm not quite sure there's that same level there. Even though you bring back a guy like Keely Ringo and a key leader in Chris Smith, who's going to be that other corner? You know, Georgia's going to go through spring practice and only have four scholarship corners. That's a very scary thought 
given how you know frequently injuries happen and how physical Georgia wants to be in practices in ways to prepare themselves for the game. They're only going to have Nyland Green, Kamari Lasseter, Dalen Everett, and Keely Ringo going through spring practice. Now, they'll get two more cornerbacks in Julian Humphrey and Jaheim Singletary over the summer, and you can bet Georgia's going to move guys and rotate guys around to find bodies at those positions. But again, as we enter 2022 for the second season in a row – I think there's some question marks about what the talent level and how good this secondary can be, even though the turnover we've seen in the front seven, there's not necessarily that same question there. And I think this defensive back opening sort of leads into that and sort of who is going to be the guy that brings stability to this position. And as Kirby Smart touched on, brings that sort of Georgia vision, Georgia fit to this cornerback room, which hasn't really had that, I would say, since Mel Tucker left this program. And so finding... You know, that next Mel Tucker, that next Trey Scott, that next Glenn Schumann, I think is something Kirby Smart is absolutely looking for in his new defensive backs coach. So we touched on some names earlier, Zach Etheridge at Auburn, Carl Scott, who was with the Minnesota Vikings last year and has ties to the Alabama program. Uh, Demarcus Van Dyke is a name I have been hearing and been brought up. Obviously, I think Georgia has an opportunity to move Will Muschamp potentially to a safeties coach and, and, and bring someone in as a cornerbacks coach there. So they're going to have options there, and I expect Georgia to hire a name that is going to probably stick around certainly longer than Charlton Warren and Jamela Dye both did. So that's our first story there for tonight, discussing the defensive backs coach really from all angles there and what it means and what it really says about the program. So moving on there, and before I here is uh, Adai's message, sort of thanking the fan base today. He put it out, officially confirming he is on his way out. I am forever thankful to Coach Kirby Smart and Dog Nation for my time here at the University of Georgia. The players I coached and the coaches I had the privilege of coaching alongside have been a blessing to my family and I, in so many ways, I believe in letting the Lord guide my steps. With that being said, my time in Athens has come to an end, but I will forever remain with me. All love UGA, Jamel Adai. So Adai is on his way to Miami. And it's going to be a different looking sort of secondary next year. Obviously you bring back Ringo, Chris Smith, William Poole is going to play some key snaps for this team, but they got to look for some key starters and, and really more stability there. And that brings us to sort of something that I'm going to write about for tomorrow morning on dog nation. Georgia's returning production numbers. Uh, Bill Connolly published those today and sort of where Georgia ranks in that. And unsurprisingly, Georgia is near the bottom. Most of the annual college football playoff contenders do not return a ton of production. You can even look at the four college football playoff teams this year. I believe the highest ranked one is is either Michigan or Alabama at 66, and the other one is at 67. So at best, middle of the pack of the you know big national contenders, the teams to know sort of in terms of national championship contenders for next season. Ohio State, I believe, is 25th or really the only team that ranks that high up there. And Georgia, with where they are, they're actually, relatively speaking, towards the lower end, and you're going to see why here as I pull up the full screen. Returning production numbers for next season, the team total 59% returning production in terms of passing yards, rushing yards, tackles, sacks, uh, negative plays, essentially returning numbers, statistics counted, ranks at 59%. That is below the national average at 66%, which again, isn't that surprising when you have this kind of talent and this kind of NFL draft production, ranking 95th in the country. On offense, that number is actually pretty high. 73% ranks 43rd in the country. And that includes some surprising departures in, say, a Jermaine Burton. And then you also have a George Pickens heading on to the NFL draft. 
But really, other than that, you like what you see from Georgia returning, even though you're going to lose guys like James Cook, Zamir White at running back, and then Justin Schaefer and Jamari Sawyer on the offensive line. But as these numbers show here and what they really mean, you look at the defense, 44%, 122nd in the country. Georgia's not going to have the 122nd defense. I don't even think Georgia's going to have the 22nd-ranked defense next year. I think they're still going to have a top 10, potentially a top 5 defense with all that they bring back in terms of talent and guys who can play on bigger roles. We mentioned Jalen Carter earlier. Uh, Jamon Dumas-Johnson, I think, is going to be a stud. One of the key returners, Nolan Smith, I think is going to have a more productive season next year. You obviously bring in a really talented uh, recruiting class, guys that have five-star rankings, uh, Malachi Starks. Uh, Dalen Everett, Jaheim Singletary, uh, trying to make sure I'm not forgetting anybody, uh, Marvin Jones Jr. Those types of guys are going to be impact players for Georgia, some of them even in year one there. I think I think Everett and Starks have a real opportunity to come in and play early for this team. And so they're going to make up for some of those returning production losses. And obviously, you know, it's not always a great indicator of – you know, p- possible improvement. For example, you know, Justin Schaefer and Jamari Sawyer were very good offensive linemen. However, I, I feel very comfortable saying I, I, I think Broderick Jones and Tate Ratlitz, two guys who stand to possibly replace them as starters in the offensive line, specifically at the left tackle and left guard spots, have just as high ceilings, perhaps even in, in Tate Ratledge's case, if he's able to get healthy and overcome his foot injury, an even higher ceiling than Justin Schaefer had on the offensive line there. So I think in some aspects, Georgia's offensive line is going to be better this season than it was this past season. And there are potentially other areas in the field where that makes sense there as well. I'll be interested to see what we see out of the wide receiver room. It's worth bringing up Brock Bowers' returns as well, once again, for Georgia. And he's going to be a guy – you know, as stunning of a season as he had last year, I believe 890 receiving yards, 13 touchdowns. So the opportunity that he builds off of it with more continuity, another year with Todd Munkin as your offensive coordinator, even though not everyone is thrilled that Stetson Bennett is back, Bennett can get better and there are things he can improve on. And, you know, given some of the questions that Georgia has at running back, I think Georgia does probably throw the ball a little bit more next season. And so with those returning production numbers being what they are, it very clearly tells me, at least anyway, Early on, this Georgia offense is going to have to carry some of the slack for this Georgia defense. Now, Georgia defense is not going to be bad by any stretch of the means, but they're going to have to get that offense up and rolling very quickly. They can't have the game they had against Clemson this year. I know there are a lot of mitigating circumstances, obviously wide receiver injuries. JT gets hurt in that game, but plays through it. They're going to need that offense to carry them through that first month of the season, games against Oregon, games against South Carolina on the road. They're going to need that offense to be firing uh, on all cylinders. And so if it's able to do that, I think you're going to get, when you get really into the meteor SEC schedule, games against Florida, Tennessee, Kentucky, Mississippi State, uh, we'll get to Auburn a little bit. I don't know how, how teeth, teethful or how much teeth that team is really going to have next season. But – by the time you get to late October, November, the real stretch run of your schedule, I think that defense is going to be more than just fine. And really back to not necessarily the levels we saw this season, but in a place where it is a difference maker and making life very, very difficult for opposing offenses. But there are going to be a lot of young players, a lot of guys playing more snaps than they've ever played before. And so early on next season, you're going to need to see Stetson Bennett carry the team in a way he, quite frankly, wasn't always asked to do in this 2021 season. Now, he did it at the end of the year when they absolutely needed him to. He was 
incredible against Michigan. And in the fourth quarter after his uh, fumble, which again, I'm still not really sure was a fumble. Uh, it's a pretty incredible call. It was made there in that moment. Uh, after that turnover, he came out four for four, 80 yards, two touchdowns and, and led Georgia to scoring drives when it needed to most. And so, you know, there's there's confidence in this offense, especially so long as Todd Munkin is back there calling plays. You have Del McGee as your running backs coach and have a lot of pieces in place to get better. I think this wide receiver room has some upside, especially if they're able to stay healthy in a way they just were never last season. I, I love what Arian Smith could possibly bring to this team. He just needs to get on the field to prove it. I said earlier, I think this offensive line has a chance to actually improve and exceed with what it had this season. Broderick Jones is going to be an all-SEC left tackle. He might end up being a first-round offensive tackle by the, all, by the time it's all said and done if he plays enough and gets enough starts under his belt. Uh, Cedric Von Prahn is going to continue to get better at center there. Tate Ratledge had a better fall camp than anyone last year. And so if he's able to get healthy, he'll be a real difference maker. Warren McClendon is just a dude out there at right tackle. And I mean that in a really good way. He is as rock solid as you're going to see from the right tackle spot. And then he's going to continue to be one of the better linemen in this league. And then obviously that right guard spot is going to be very interesting to me. You have a veteran in Warren Erickson. You have uh, upside options. In, in in Xavier Trust and Devin Willick, who have been around the program for a little bit. And then you have Amarius Mims and what you ultimately do with him, a guy who did not redshirt last year, played a lot of key snaps, for, not necessarily key snaps, but significant snaps for Georgia in games. And again, with his upside and size, even though he's 6'8 and projects to be a tackle, I think you can play him at guard and he brings an added element to this offensive line, especially a physicality where if you have him and Tate Rattledge as your guards, you are much more physical in the middle of that line than I think you were in 2020. And that's a, a bit long to speak about the offensive line, but I think it speaks to what could be really a strength next year for Georgia along with the tight end room. And so with that, we'll open it up. Thoughts, comments, questions you guys might have about really anything, we'll we'll engage in that. We are in the offseason right now. We're about, I guess, probably a little over a month, say five weeks from the return of spring practice. The National Signing Day is in the rearview mirror. We can talk about some of Georgia's pickups from last week. A guy I really like, and Justin Tell wrote about him last Friday. I encourage you to go read it. It's Darius Smith, a guy I think is actually a little underranked in terms of the recruiting rankings around him. You know, didn't always get out to camps and comes from an area of the state in Georgia, down there in Appling County, that doesn't get a ton of coverage. But if you look at some of the athletic things that he's done, you know, he could potentially win the 400 meters in the state of Georgia this year, an outrageous leaper uh, on the basketball court, uh, and really a long, gifted, talented playmaker. I think that dude is going to be an absolute menace at outside linebacker slash edge rusher once he really gets some feet once he really gets his sea legs underneath him I, I think you know Adam Anderson is a good template for him to follow obviously there's going to be a lot of intrigue around Darius Smith and what he becomes but year one that might be too big of an ask for him especially as he puts weight on and gets acclimated to life in the SEC but year two year three I think he can be a very disruptive uh, pass rusher for the Bulldogs on the outside um let's see uh jordan harris who is my future superstar from this class this is a good question uh i'm buying if i'm buying stock in guys give me a lot of malachi starks uh guy has incredible off-field intelligence uh i think a future leader in this class and i would include jalen walker there as well I think, I think Starks can do anything on a football field. One of the best athletes in the country, a top 10 player. So give me him as sort of a guy that Georgia, I think, 
you know, ultimately one day, you know, you're going to watch the Super Bowl this weekend, and I can take your questions on that there as well. Watch the way the Rams use Jalen Ramsey. He's not your traditional lockdown corner anymore because I think they've realized the Rams have that their defense is at their best when they're moving Ramsey all over the field to try and take away what the other team does best. And so I think Malachi Starks can develop into that type of weapon. Think of Tyron Matthew at LSU a decade ago. I think that is a guy who could really, you know, develop into a good player there. From all accounts, Michael Williams is going to be just a disruptive difference maker at Georgia. We'll see, you know, if he ends up playing that same defensive end position that Trayvon Walker does, it, it might hinder what he does statistically speaking. But I think Michael Williams is a guy that's going to be a very interesting player for this Georgia team. Quarterback, or not quarterback, on the offensive side of the ball, maybe a little flirty and slip there. I'm really interested to see how Gunnar Stockton develops. Obviously, he took some some big dips in the rankings, and I think that you know comes from scouts really not seeing him. He didn't really show himself out there on a national stage and was really focused on and doing the most for Rayburn County. But you, you hear all, as much as Kirby Smart has talked about fit and, and being a part of the team culture, I think Gunnar Stockton fits that better than anyone, and he might have to wait a while, and, and Georgia might recruit, say, an Arch Manning over him. But I think Gunnar Stockton is going to be a very, very interesting player for Georgia in this recruiting class. And, I'll, I'll you know, obviously, Georgia recruits running backs well. Branson Robinson is built like a tank and would not surprise me if early on he's making a difference for Georgia. Uh GBM boy brings up Marvin Jones. There is a name as well. A guy similarly, you know, he is much higher ranked than say Darius Smith, but he's only been playing outside linebacker, I believe for about 18 months. And so he's a guy, if he's able to refine what he has learned and use his obvious athletic gifts, obviously his dad, uh, I believe a college football hall of famer from Florida state. If he's able to do that, his ceiling is as high as anyone, you know, very strongly sturdy built comes from a great program out there in American heritage, a place George is going to have to try and go and get great players from again, going forward. And so I think that's a good answer there from G Bama boy. Uh, Philip Overstreet asked, which freshman do you think will have a Brock Bowers like season? I'll feel very comfortable saying this. No one is going to have a Brock Bowers type season. Uh, I think what Brock Bowers did is a transcendent freshman season, a transcendent tight end season for a certain, certainly from Georgia standards, but from a the fact that he was able to do that as a freshman, uh, I think is one of the more under discussed things. You know, he's obviously an incredible player, but for him to be that good that early on in his time at Georgia, I think really speaks to what he is as a player in person, and to expect a, a player from this class to do something similar. I think is a little bit unfair to these players. I will say, I think Oscar Delp is going to be a talented player and I'm interested to see how Georgia uses him. He's got some of the same skill set as Bowers does. I think Delp might be a little bit better of a receiver and you could potentially see Georgia move him around and split him outside in ways you didn't necessarily see Bowers do that going forward as well there. And when I mentioned Delp, you also have to mention Darnell Washington, a very popular player with Georgia. Uh, Jeremy Smith, who will be Georgia's starters at inside linebacker? You know, I'm really interested to see what happens with Tresman Marshall and Ryan Davis, guys that have been around this program for a while but have not had the injury luck to be able to stay on the field and sort of crack in the rotation there at inside linebacker. And, man, I, I, I think Javon Dumas-Johnson is a stud, and I don't know how you keep him off the field. I think similarly to Brock Bowers, a guy who didn't get to play a senior season in high school – led to him probably being a little bit underranked. And every time he was on the field this season for Georgia, just made plays. And Jamel Munden, I think, has some similarities to Quay Walker in terms of an athletic profile and what he might be able to bring there. And a, a guy that 
played a lot on special teams. And I think that's going to be something that allows him to emerge as a starter for Georgia this year at inside linebacker. So, you know, Marshall and Davis will, will, will push them very hard, but I think Georgia's going to end up going with Dumas Johnson and Jamel Munn in there. But Xavier Sori is another guy there to know as well, a guy who hadn't played a ton of football, dealt with injuries early on. But what I saw from him in the Charleston Southern game and even the Georgia Tech game at the end of the season, he's a guy who, if he continues to put it together, has an incredibly high ceiling there. Uh, Randy Hall, yeah, I believe Darius Smith tweeted out some of the things he's done on the basketball court. Uh, I believe he hit his cheek on the backboard. Uh, it gives you a sense of how high-flying that guy is. That guy is an absolute stud, and, and that is a great get for Georgia down there, a guy we didn't always necessarily talked about. But uh, uh, during the recruiting cycle, and I think in part because of where he ranked and the fact that he signed late, I think Darius Smith is going to be a very, very good player. It might take him a while to get there, but I think he's going to be a very, very good player for Georgia. Um, let's see thoughts, comments, uh, Kevin Flutie. Yeah. Kevin Flute. Uh, I do think Georgia still needs a wide receiver one, or at least a, a true go-to threat as much as you like Brock Darnell and Arik, I think could be that though. I think Georgia might play him more at tight end. Obviously you have success there at tight end, but you need guys who are vertically able to stretch the field. George Pickens was able to do that specifically with his leaping ability. You know, Arian Smith, even Jermaine Burton last year, his explosive playmaking downfield helped open things up underneath for guys like Brock and Darnell. So can Arian Smith emerge as that kind of guy? Can Ladd McConkey or Donnie Mitchell do that? I think that's going to be interesting to watch. I do think Georgia probably dips into the transfer portal if they have the opportunity to do so. And the right guy comes open, a guy with high major experience that, you know, has played at a big time program. And we'll say one of the Ohio state receivers, say Julian Fleming, let's say he enters the transfer portal. That's the type of guy I would look for Georgia to go after. They're not going to take some, some guy from, uh, you know, UAB who, who put up big stats last year. They want proven guys that have proven it at a big time program. So I do think that Georgia is going to need a true wide receiver one. If only because they need to continue to recruit that position. Well, and I think having that is going to make things easier for Brian McClendon. Let's see. Uh, Terry Ford asked, what's the latest on Rake? He's in class. He is, you know, we'll, we'll hear more about winter workouts and what Georgia and what he more specifically might be doing there. But by all accounts, he's at Georgia enrolled in classes. And we'll find out when spring rolls around if he's doing the things to be a contributor to this program this year. Uh, Shannon Waits asking about MJ Sherman. I, I, you know, he's going to have an uphill task because Nolan Smith is coming back. Uh, Robert Beal is coming back. Those guys uh, are, are key players for Georgia at this outside linebacker position. And Nolan Smith, I think, is going to be one of the key leaders and faces of the Georgia program this season. And that does push MJ Sherman down the depth chart a little bit there. I think Chaz Chambliss is a guy who we saw this year when he got on the field, made some plays for Georgia. And then you mentioned the guys that they bring in, Darius Smith, Marvin Jones Jr. Now, Smith and Jones aren't going to arrive to the summer. That does help Sherman a little bit there, but he's got to really show improvement. It's worth pointing out here, you know, as he gets farther and farther away from a truly catastrophic knee injury he suffered as a high schooler, I think that's going to potentially help set him up to, to show some of the explosiveness that he had showed as a prospect. Yeah, Steelbuck, I'm not saying Julian Fleming is transferring. I, that, that is just a, a name that I had thought of. And Ohio State has plenty of talented receivers uh, who, you know, they could possibly spare. Uh, 
Rennie Hall, I don't think Josh, I don't think Josh Downs is entering their transfer portal. I know people want Caleb Downs, a talented player from Mill Creek, and Georgia would love to get a player of Josh Downs' caliber, but I think he's going to stay at North Carolina and be a first-round draft pick this time next year when we are in the NFL draft, discussing the NFL draft. Uh, he is a very, very talented player. Uh, let's see. Scrolling through questions. Um, Robert Maloney. Yeah, this is a great point. And it's, and I'll be interested to see if he's able to go. Uh, Arian Smith is able to play this, uh, spring for Georgia. He's a guy who his speed is such a game changer. Even though he hasn't played a ton of football, Georgia, when he has, it's been a, a, he, he's made differences. You think even obviously he had touchdown catch against Missouri, uh, touchdown catch against South Carolina last year, a big catch against Cincinnati in the peach bowl. Even as a special teams player, he downed some key punts in that game against Clemson that really helped keep Clemson backed up in that game. And so Arian Smith, his speed is a difference maker. And I believe the talent is there to be a key player on this Georgia team. He just has to stay healthy and do that. And so if he's able to do that this spring and continue to get reps at that wide receiver position, I think the sky is the limit there for him. Oh, let's see. Uh, Foster Moss. No, Georgia's not going to go into the portal for an outside linebacker. I think they love what they have there in these last two signing classes. You know, I spoke earlier, Jalen Walker is a guy I think has a very high ceiling and is going to be, I think a key player for this program going forward. CJ Washington is another guy I like a lot, a, a hard worker, a guy who I think is going to stick around this program and be a name to know over the coming years. You know, maybe he goes to Channing Tindall, right? Not saying he and Channing Tindall are the same player, but a guy who, you know, maybe waits two, three years, and then by the end, we really know his name is a key player in that inside linebacker room. Georgia is not going into the inside, going into the transfer portal for an inside linebacker. If they do go to the transfer portal, I would say it probably comes at wide receiver and maybe cornerback. I, I think they you know, could t- certainly take another safety there. But I think with cornerback, Keely Ringo is really the only guy that has any real playing experience. And so this spring is going to be really big for guys like Kamari Lasseter and Nyland Green because I think Georgia wants to see them really take step up and potentially earn that starting cornerback spot. I will include Dalen Everett there as well. He's a guy who's enrolled early, already going through practice, and is going to try and make a difference at that cornerback spot there. Let's see. Um, hmm. Walter Page asking about Brew McCoy. Obviously, a high-profile commit. Uh, you know, back in I guess the 2018 recruiting cycle. Things obviously haven't panned out there at USC. We'll see if Georgia ends up. You know, if he ends up being the guy that they want to go after. I think they may be like a little bit more of a proven entity. I think you look at the the transfers they took last year. You know, McCoy sort of fits that Eric Gilbert profile, but Gilbert didn't get onto the field. And there were some, I don't want to say red flags, but there were some questions with the way that he exited there at LSU. And ultimately that pops up again here at Georgia. Similarly, you know, obviously enrolled at Texas, transfers to USC before the start of his first season there. There were some questions there about whether he might be a fit at the University of Georgia. But I personally believe right now that the wide receiver that Georgia would want to take from the transfer portal is not yet in the transfer portal. Uh, Todd David Brown. Yeah. Uh, Jack Lesney will be returning next season. And I expect him to be your starting kicker. Uh, a, a guy who obviously had some nervy moments last season, but 
He made his longest kick of the year in the national championship game against Alabama. And a guy who actually probably had a better year than you may have realized. Obviously, he had a missed extra point as well during the course of the season. But I think you feel really good there. Punter is going to be very interesting. This Jared Circle gets some shots there. Brett Thorson is a guy they signed in the 2022 recruiting cycle. We'll see how that goes. But, I mean, Jake Kamara is going to be, I think, potentially drafted as a punter. And that guy was a difference maker for Georgia last season. Um. So Jack Marino asks, who would I like to see wear the number one jersey next season? No one. Uh, I've written about, I've jokingly written about this before. Uh, the number one jersey at the University of Georgia has not exactly had a great track record as of late. Uh, you know, Sony Michelle wore it, broke his hand in a freak ATV accident. Obviously, he goes on to be a very good player for Georgia. Uh, certainly at the end of his career, his senior season there for Georgia. But there were some nervy moments there early on with Sony. Uh, you think Justin Fields wore that number. He ends up transferring out after a season. George Pickens wore that number, tears his ACL his junior season. Even on the defensive side of the ball, Island Green wore that number this year, gets arrested at, at the end of the year, and doesn't, I think, have the type of year a lot of people thought he could potentially have had. Brenton Cox had that number. He ends up transferring out. So, you know, I, I jokingly kind of think the number one jersey is cursed. Uh, we'll see if anyone on the Georgia offense wears it and chooses to break it. But Georgia has not had a great recent run of players in that number one jersey on both the offensive and defensive sides of the ball. Um, Jimmy Durham. Yeah, we'll talk a little Super Bowl here to end it. I've got the Rams uh, for the simple reason that the Los Angeles Rams have the better, they have the best player in this game. That is Aaron Donald. Uh, Cincinnati's biggest weakness is its offensive line. I would throw Leonard Floyd out there. Von Miller is a potential difference maker there as well. And I, I think this is going to be a low scoring type of game. I think Cincinnati is going to try and control the tempo and pace of this game offensively. But at the end of the day, I think that defensive line for the Rams is going to cause massive, massive problems for Cincinnati's offensive front. We saw Tennessee do this, and I think Matt Stafford is a better quarterback than Ryan Tannehill. And they're going to ask Tannehill, they're going to do to the Rams what, what, what they did to the Chiefs. Now, the important thing for the Rams is that they're going to have to con- commit to running the football with a guy like a Sony Michelle and a Cam Akers. If those guys are difference makers for the Rams, I think you can run on this Cincinnati defense, especially if they want to try and drop eight the way they did against the Kansas City Chiefs. Cooper Cup is good enough to find holes in the zone and make defenders miss, I think maybe in ways that say Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey aren't. And so I, I think you know it's going to be a low-scoring game. I would take the under, but I like the Rams minus four and a half here. I think it reminds me a little bit of the last time Von Miller played in the Super Bowl for the Denver Broncos when they took down the Carolina Panthers. You know, Joe Burrow having a little bit of a Cam Newton sort of moment season there for this pan- for the Bengals. They're both jungle cats, uh, you know, teams with not a lot of historical success there. And so give me the Rams and Matt Stafford, Sonny Michelle, Leonard Floyd getting their rings. Um, let's see. I did. Uh, so I said that was going to be my last question, but Green Soldier asked a good one that I will answer. Uh, Connor, which of the young DBs, and I'm assuming you're meaning 2022 signees, um, because we'll, we'll limit it to that ends up starting earliest. Um, I think it's going to end up being a push between Malachi Starks and Dalen Everett. Um, I think Kamari Lasseter is going to emerge as your starter opposite Keely Ringo this year. 
We'll see if David Daniel is able to emerge as a starter alongside Chris Smith there in, in the back end of the secondary. But from the 2022 guys, I could certainly see Dalen Everett pushing for a starting job. And if he comes in and plays well enough and he's coming from a powerful program at IMG Academy that has him ready for this next level, I, I would not stun me to see Dalen Everett start as a freshman this season. Malachi Starks is another name. I think maybe he's a year away, sort of like Richard LeCount was when he first enrolled in 2017. You know, there was a lot of expectations around him being a five-star player from the state of Georgia. It took him a year to get his feet wet and comfortable. But I think to start the 2023 season, you could see both Dalen Everett and Malachi Starks starting back there for you in your secondary. And you like the upside that both those guys bring, but those guys are going to be on the field in special teams units this year. And Everett in particular, he's going to get a ton of snaps this spring, just given how limited they are at the wide at the cornerback position there. So That'll do it for us here tonight. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back here next Tuesday talking the latest. Hopefully by then Georgia has a defensive coordinator, or excuse me, a defensive back coach, uh, you know, replacing Jamel Adai. We'll talk about that. It'll be playing more. We can wrap up the Super Bowl. We can talk about really whatever you guys want to talk about next week as we get deeper and deeper into the offseason and where things stand. So, Touched on defensive back room tonight. Uh, I've got returning production numbers there as well. I have a story on that tomorrow morning. You've got Jeff Sintel tomorrow night before the hedges, sort of another wrap-up of National Signing Day. You've got Brandon Adams every Monday through Friday. You've got Mike Griffith on the beat. We'll maybe drop in, do a cover four to surprise you guys. But plenty of news, content, things to talk about when it comes to Georgia. You know, Just because the season is over does not mean we stop. College football, and because of the fans like you guys, it's a 365, 24-7 support. And so we're going to keep bringing you the best and brightest when it comes to the University of Georgia and what we're hearing. So my name is Connor Riley. This has been Connor and Coverage for Dog Nation. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Have a wonderful Tuesday evening.